Hello, everyone. Welcome back to yet another scintillating edition of Red Leg Nation Radio. I really shouldn't start out these podcasts by raising expectations so high, but I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Joining me is, uh, today, as he often does, is my fellow uh, co-host of Red Leg Nation Radio, your friend and mine, Bill Lack. How are you today, Bill? I don't know if I can deal with the pressure of scintillating. Oh, it's going to be scintillating. <laughs> so yeah, that really is a lot of pressure. You need to step your game up today. Here from the, the frozen tundra. That's right. Uh, we're a little less frozen uh, than we were, I think, the last time we talked, but still frozen. Uh, feels like the dead of winter. We got a, we got a couple more inches yesterday, and they're talking about more this when this Thursday. So, you know, I may have it up to the second floor window by the time it's all over with. We had just a dusting this morning, but we're expecting uh, six more inches, I think, uh, Wednesday or Thursday. Well, out in the hollers, you know, out in the hollers, it, it gets kind of deep. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> in more ways than one. Exactly. <laughs> That's a fact. Oh, we could spend an hour talking about that, but uh, how about we talk about the Reds instead? Do you have any objection to that? Uh, it'll work for me. All right, let's talk about these old Cincinnati Reds. It is spring training now, and uh, the games are starting. And Tomorrow. Getting, that's right. Get a little bit of an idea about uh, what to expect about these Red Legs. Um, let's begin with talking about, obviously, the guy everybody wants to always talk about with the Reds, and that's our guy, Joey Votto. You and I have a higher opinion of Votto than some of uh, some of the fans of the Reds out there uh, calling into the talk radio and commenting on the Internet. Um, but it's been an interesting couple of weeks for Votto since he arrived at camp. First thing is, uh, it was uh, it was announced that he's not going to be uh, playing in the... He's not going to miss the start, basically, of the Reds' uh, games out there in the Cactus League. Not quite ready yet. Uh, I've got some opinions on this, but I'll see if you've got any uh, any thoughts about whether that's something to... Something to worry about, or uh, are we just looking for things to worry about? If, if that doesn't send a little shiver down your spine, uh, I don't think you're paying attention. Because I mean, this is a guy that you know when we hurt when he first got hurt last year, it was day to day, blah 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 blah, and then he missed what sixty games, uh, or did he play sixty games? I forget. Yeah, it, it missed 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 hundred games last yeah. year. Yeah, and, and, you know. It, so if this doesn't give you a little bit of concern, then we're we're on a different page because it, it definitely gives me a little bit of concern. Uh, well, you know, this was yeah. this was supposed to be a muscle issue, and they were, here we are, eight months later, and and he's still not ready. You know, again, accolades to the Reds' medical staff. <laughs> well, and that's something we're going to talk about here later. But I, there are two ways to look at this, I guess, from my perspective, with Votto. Number one, yeah, send a little shiver up your spine, yeah, I guess, I guess, because let's not. Over, I'm not overreacting or anything like right. that. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying, oh crap, season's over. Let's get. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. When do the Bengals start? Yeah, uh, yeah but no, I, th- I think you're right. I think given the fact he missed 100 games last year, he's had these uh, injury problems. Yeah, you want to see him fully healthy and ready to go. The other way I, I think we can look at it, and uh, you know, last year on one of our preseason podcasts, I was talking with our friend Joe Luckup, and uh, we, we titled that podcast, I think, We Choose to Be Optimistic. And I guess if we want to choose to be optimistic, uh, we'd say, well, you know, it's it's very early. It's the first a spring training game. There's no reason to hurry him. No reason to hurry him. Let's make sure he's ready to play 150 games. I agree. You know, rather than take a chance on pushing him too soon. But. Uh, yeah, I, I know, it's a big but. I mean, and to me, the but is, they, you know, you like, on the, the first day of spring, you know, spring training, first game, you like to shine, you like to show off the starting lineup. He's the only guy that you anticipate an opening, not being in the starting lineup. It's, that you anticipate being in the opening day lineup that's not in the lineup tomorrow. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, I mean, if he was if he was close or or whatever, they'd throw him out there for three innings tomorrow. Yeah, his quote. I mean, it concerns me probably more than I, I it should, but it concerns me. I'm not permitting myself to get uh, too concerned yet, but I don't think that your response to the, this news is unreasonable uh, at all. Uh, Votto, for his part, said, I feel really, really good. I'm surprised at how good I feel this early. I feel like I'm trending toward being able to play games here in the not-too-distant future. Um, need a little more time, but not because I'm avoiding games. Or uh, I just want to make sure that after taking eight months, ten months, however long off of baseball, I have to play the game a little bit more to get ready to get the volume in and get the reps in. So, you know, you know what I hear sure. when, when, he, when, he, when he starts like that? What do you hear? I hear Charlie Brown's parents. I mean, oh my God! And I I have to admit, I think Joey's a smart guy, probably probably a lot smarter than I am. But when he starts talking to reporters, I just (laughs) well, he he's gotten to the point where he likes to talk a little bit, and we're going to mention that here in a little bit uh, as well. How he called the reporters over because he wanted to talk to him about. Our old friend Matt Latos, but that's that's coming up later in this scintillating edition of Red Lake Nation Radio. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see him out there. I'd rather see him than Jason Marquis uh, on the mound. Hey, you're, but you're gonna get you're gonna get the start by Josh S- S- Satin. Yeah, who I mean, you know? Who's this guy? I mean, I, uh, I'm excited about getting a good look at Josh Satin tomorrow. <laughs> well, hey, he's new to the organization. We want to see what we've got here. Um, no, I'm 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 not permitting myself to get too upset, too uh, you know, concerned about Votto. Uh, it's very, very, very early. If we're you know three weeks from opening day and he still can't play, you know, two games a week or something, then I'm going to be seriously concerned. If he misses opening day, like they say Homer Bailey is going to do, not be ready for opening day, then I'll be uh, very concerned because, like he said, he's been off eight, ten months. What does it ta- what's it take to get him ready if he can't do it in 10 months uh, or 11 months when we start getting closer to, to opening day. If that's the case, very concerned. And uh, and again, the questions about the Reds medical staff will come up. Right now, we're so early. Let me just uh, at least pretend that uh, things are okay and he's just trying to get his reps in, make sure he's ready to play this long season so we'll have him for the long haul. C- can I do that? Yep. Now, here's my question. And, and, and this is to me, the, the you know, assuming he's healthy. And, and, and let's assume that. Which Joey Votto are we going to get? Are we getting 2010 Joey Votto or 2013 Joey Votto? All right. Well, the, fir- the first thing is that I, and I hate to have to say this, I don't think we're ever going to get 2010 Joey Votto again. I think that guy's gone. Um, I think, though, when you, you look at 2012 Joey Votto, you look at uh, 2013 Joey Votto, I think that's a more realistic assessment of where he might be. He's not going to be that same guy that hit, uh, what, uh, 37 home runs in 2010. But there's no reason he, he can't have a you know high 300s or 400 on-base percentage. His projection uh, with the Zips projection that I like, projection system, Dan Zimborski's, is a 417 on-base percentage. Um Slugging percentage projection four sixty nine. Uh, that's that might be closer to where we are. I think he'll be a little better than that. I think he'll do better than fifteen home runs. I think he'll be closer to that two thousand twelve Votto. But he's not going to be quite 
he's, he's never again going to be the 2000. I don't, I don't think. And uh, and that goes back to what I'm saying. I was saying a moment ago. If he can't get ready for the season after 10 months, if he's just not going to be healthy enough after 10 months to get ready to play full speed a professional sport, man, the Reds have got a lot of money sunk into him. Yeah, this, if that's the if that does happen, and please don't let that happen. This franchise is in a lot of trouble for a long time. They are on the hook for a long time, and for a guy that's never going to be healthy. If he can't get ready in 10 months at his age, he's, he's liable never to be fully healthy yeah. again, or at least at least not uh, you know, where we can expect him to pay 162 games like he did just back in 2013. So should we, so should we talk about Joey's hitting? Well, you know, our old buddy Marty Brenneman wanted to talk about it. Oh yeah, I, I, Marty always Marty wants to talk about it again and again because he knows so much more about hitting than Joey Votto does. Of course he does. He watched the Big Red Machine. Um, Marty, of course, said, "If this here's a, here's a direct quote, and this just I, I love Marty. I've defended Marty. I'm still going to defend him because he's I've said it on this podcast a hundred times. I've said it to everybody. He's the sort of background noise to my childhood. I still think he calls a game better than anybody other than Vin Scully. But man, he." just is <laughs> goes off the reservation sometimes. Quote, if this guy, talking about Votto, if this guy comes back and is content to lead the league in on-base percentage again, then this team is in deep trouble. How ridiculous is that statement? That's one of the dumber statements. I love you, Marty. I defend you, buddy. But that is one of the dumber statements I think I've heard in a long time. If, if you've if you got somebody that's content to lead the league in on-base percentage, the thing that makes an offense go when the Reds had, I think, the, the second or third worst on-base percentage of any Reds team uh, in the last hundred years last year as a team. Uh, am, am I wrong that that's stupid? And then we'll talk about what Votto said about it. Well, and, and, and there was another guy that was a pretty fair hitter that, that, that kind of sided with Joey Votto. Uh, Peter Edward Rose <laughs> said that Joey Votto is just fine the way he is and, and – you know, you kind of, you know, and then Marty said he didn't know what Pete was talking about. Well, let's see. I'm trying to figure out who to listen to on how to play baseball. I can listen to the guy that's got more hits than anybody in the history of the game, a guy that's making more money because he's been so good for the last five years, other than, I mean, other than the injury problems, or I can listen to some announcer that's never played baseball in his life. Pretty easy, pretty easy choice for me. Uh, I, I don't think Marty's got a lot of credibility when it comes to this. Well, you know, I saw some, I can't remember exactly the numbers, but uh, when uh, at, when Pete Rose batted third for the Reds, he had a good number of bats at, in the three spot, and I can't find that right now, I'm just trying to look, at, look for it. Uh, he had more walks than he had home runs. And Marty, of all people, was there for the glory days. When the Reds had this little uh, little second baseman who batted third for them, uh, what's, what was his name again? I don't know. He, he owns a car place now. Uh, yeah, yeah. Morgan. Morgan, that was him, yeah. Joe he Morgan. Flip his arm. Yeah, you remember 1974, 1975, and 1976? Those were, were pretty good years yeah. for the Reds. Morgan led the league in on-base percentage all three of those years. From 72 through 75, through 76, those five years, he led the league in on-base percentage four of those five years. It's a guy hitting in the middle of the order. It's a guy that won two MVPs on the, uh, you know, MVPs of the National League in the 
uh, in 75 and 76 seasons. Um, you know, that was a long time ago, but it just blows my mind that Joe Morgan is, uh, you know, a legend. And Marty Brenner can make a comment about if he's content to leave the league in on-base percentage, then, uh, you know, we're in trouble. Well, that, that I really can't even understand how he can uh, uh, twist his logic around to defend that statement. Now, now to, to, be, to be fair, now, and, and I, I, you know, those were my formative years. That was I wasn't an eight. I mean, I was seventeen, eighteen years old then. Morgan was the best player I've ever seen in those two years. He could do yeah. He could do everything, and and his slugging percentage was you know over five hundred both of those years, and all three of those years it was re- real close to five hundred. Um, and he won gold gloves both of those years. Yeah, he won. He did gold year. gloves. He he was in top ten for MVP for five years in a row. Uh, you know, actually won five straight gold gloves. I take that back. Uh, so I mean, it wasn't just Joe, Joe's on base percentage. I mean. You know, you look at his, his stolen bases and caught stealings, and and and, and Joe never, you know, and Joe never led the league in stolen bases. You know, I know I'm getting a little off track here, but Joe only stole a base when you needed a base. Mm-hmm. It was a different game then, though. But but getting back to our point, when, you know, talk what Marty was talking about. Uh, it's just it's just ludicrous to you know to to tear the guy down when you're the best in the league at something. Now. You know, you, I think you could re- legitimately make the argument that maybe he's a two-hitter instead of a three-hitter. Okay. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, but how about, how about, I guess maybe what Marty's saying is they need power from Joey Votto. Okay? So if, if that's what I wanted to, was going to say, I would say this, this Reds team really is going to need, you know, Need more more RBIs. Okay, let's let's use that, uh, which is what. No, he's but thinking. let's not use that. Well, you know, Marty, I'm just Marty saying, would use that. I, right, I'm putting myself in Marty's shoes. Okay, why say we need guys to come in and drive in runs? Joey Butler needs to drive in more runs, uh, and hopefully Marlon Byrd will drive in more runs than we had last year. And this team will, if they don't do that, this team might be in deep trouble. Or, or, or say. What Joey needs to do is couple that on-base percentage with a higher slugging percentage. Right. But what he does is he turns it into an attack on Votto's hitting approach. Right. Saying he's content to lead the league in on-base percentage. As if Votto is not trying every single at-bat. And I, frankly, I think he tries harder every single at-bat than any player in the major leagues to get the best result out of each at-bat. In terms of what he can do to get the most out of his ability on each at-bat. And Marty's saying, I want this guy to swing at pitches that he himself, one of the greatest hitters on the planet, does not think he can handle. Swing outside the zone at pitches he can handle so he can maybe drive in. And, and I was seeing it. I saw a number, and I can't remember now where I saw it, where his, his batting average on pitches that he swings at outside the zone is atrociously low. Yes. He's not a good, he's not a good bad ball hitter. You know, he's not, uh, uh, what was the guy's name, Guerrero. You know, where you, Vlad, you, hit, you hit one on one hop or whatever. You know, and, and it's, well, he's and, and he knows what he can. He knows his limitations and he knows his strengths. And he, I think, he maximizes his strengths as well as anybody I've ever seen. And he gets criticized for it. Yep. 
And part of that is part of that though. I, I firmly believe is being the lightning rod. And when you're making the big, the biggest amount of money, you're the lightning rod. Mm-hmm. Sure. Fair or unfair, it, it's just the way life is. Well, I think it is fair. Uh, you know, I think he thinks it's fair. Uh, if you saw his quotes when he finally came to camp, and there was the one money quote that we'll talk about in a moment that I, I agreed with him 100. percent But uh, he was asked by the reporters if he was, you know, about the debate over his hitting approach that's going on now for the second straight year. That's just the most ludicrous uh, debate, quote unquote, that I've ever heard. But and he said, I think it's to be expected because I'm the guy who has the big contract. He said, there's times when it's a nuisance because I can answer a question, but I think I've proven when I'm healthy, I'm a helpful part of the team. I do my part. And now the, the big quote that everybody got upset about, I don't know, upset. some people got upset about it, was this. I have to be careful with what I say. In terms of being in the middle of it, sometimes I think it's really, really silly. Amen. I'm not going to use the word ignorant, but ignorant. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but then he goes on to say, you know, it's entertainment. I'm part of the entertainment industry. If there weren't debates like this, then, you know, let them debate. I think it's great. So I'm the big money guy. Uh, but that that was the big quote was that, uh, I'm not going to use the word ignorant, but <laughs> ignorant. And that's exactly what it is. It's it's ignorant. It's ignorance of what helps teams score runs. You can't Marty, you can't drive in empty bases. Exactly. <laughs> Mar- Mar- Marty Brenneman is far from ignorant over what it takes to be an effective broadcaster. He is showing himself to be very ignorant. Uh, and, that, and that's, you know... I guess it's a criticism, but, you know, I'm ignorant about a lot of things. Um, I'm much more ignorant than Joey Votto about how to hit a baseball. Um, He's showing himself about being ignorant about what it takes to score runs. Uh, And so I side 100% with Votto on this, mainly because I batted, you know, 270 in Little League or something. I don't know what it was, but uh, Votto knows more about hitting than I do. And I'm going to give him plenty of leeway, frankly. Yeah, you know, if, if I, like I said earlier, if I if I have to pick a side, I'll take the side with Joey Votto and Pete Rose on. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh, when it when it comes to hitting a baseball. Right, yeah, right. I mean, not you know, not on you know who to vote for in the next presidential election. <laughs> Maybe what to do when you're in Vegas. You might want to talk to Pete Let's about talk that. Talk to Pete right. about that. Yeah. But uh, and and about hitting. Um. So anyway, it's again, this is all much ado about nothing. I can't believe that, again, we're sitting here this spring training having to talk about uh, Joey Votto's... Of course, it got wiped off the front pages by the story we're getting ready to talk about, but I can't believe we're still having to talk about this. Why? The arrogance to think you know more than Joey Votto about hitting is astounding to me, and that's really what it is. It's arrogance on the part of anybody that criticizes, whether it's uh, Marty Brenneman or whether it's you know Joe Mouthbreather who's uh, commenting on Twitter. You know, that, it's very frustrating. I, I can't believe we still have to talk about this. I just can't believe we've even got to talk about it. Well, we don't have to talk about it. Oh, you know what? You're right. We, we, we can talk about anything we want to talk about. Next. Next. <laughs> Something else that I really don't want to talk about, but which has uh, dominated Red's News the last week or so, our old buddy Matt Latos. And you remember Matt Latos? Yep. He used to uh, used to pitch for the Reds, and he got traded in the off season. Yep. Uh, to the Marlins. Mm-hmm. Got the Right, exactly. You know, gets to be down in sunny South Beach. Took his talents to South Beach. Yep. Um, 
but he had some words about his old team. And, you know, I, I liked Latos when he was here. I still like Latos. You know, Latos, is a, he's, he's a good pitcher. I hope he has a great career. Um, he had a couple of specific criticisms about the Reds. The first was on the Reds' medical staff, which we've alluded to a little bit here, and which I know you will have some uh, pointed comments about. Um, and he just said basically he was rushed back. They, they really tried to rush him back. Um, they, I was told I need to start doing activities minimum 10 days after surgery. They have you throwing a fifth day after surgery. They have you running the seventh day. Already lifting 10 days. Um, now, he didn't say he wasn't ready to take those tests, but he, was, he insinuated he was uh, pushed. And then he said, if there's one thing I would change, I wouldn't have come back so soon. So, but the, the, the problem with Latos' comments on the medical staff is he doesn't have a whole lot of credibility. None. When he, when he was bitching about having to do a rehab start. Yep. I mean, and, you know, and, and I think that I wouldn't let the Reds medical staff work on my dog. <laughs> I like my dog too much. But, right. You know, and, so I'm not saying what he's saying isn't true. But what I'm saying is after the hissy fit he threw last year about having to do a rehab start, blah, blah, blah. His, his comments don't have as much credibility as they might. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It sounded here's what here. This is my just. This is completely just my opinion. But here's what it sounded like to me. If you read all those comments together, it sounded to me like he really wanted to hammer the Reds about something. He's mad at the Reds. Maybe it's just because he bought a house or built a house. I don't remember if he built it or bought one in Cincinnati and over in Indian Hill, big a million dollar plus home. Yeah, and he's just mad that he's not here. Um, but it sounded to me like he was really out to, because the, the questions weren't really about the Reds, like he was really out to, to run down the Reds. And he got him to start talking about the medical stuff. But then if you look at the, the rest of it, the end of the, his comments about the medical stuff, he started saying, well, you know, if there's one thing I could change, I wouldn't have come back. I tried to get out there as quick as possible to help the team. I rushed myself. I tried to get back because I wanted to compete with the team. Sound like he was trying to sort of back off those comments, and then he leapt into other reasons yeah. why the yeah. needed to be. Um, so it sounded like he kind of maybe realized this is just again my speculation. Realized in the middle of those, wait a minute, that's not a legit criticism. I was, I tr I wanted to come back. Well, and 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 I, and I don't remember who I read that said this the other day. One of the guys on the team said, "You never knew what he was going to be like one day to the next." So they may have just ask him this stuff, and you know, if you'd ask him the same question the next day, he you know he'd have been completely different. You know, he just might have been pissed off that day, and, and if you asked him the next day, he'd have been fine. Um, you know, yeah, emo emotional guy, not a Rhodes Scholar, and, and, and not the most mature young man in the world. Exactly. Um, you know, I think it's been interesting how the the local beat writers have really come to the defense of some of the Reds players. You know, the, the thing about Rope and the Clubhouse Boys was the shot on Homer Bailey, according to John oh. Fay. I think it was John Fay. Yeah, and it has to be. And, you know, it was just playing around. Now, you know, and I'm not saying that there couldn't be, there. you know, there, there's not possible that there's too much crap going on in the clubhouse. But that's a problem for management. You know, that's something Brian Price has to take care of. I just read today that the manager of the Minnesota Twins, who I can't remember now who that is, Oh, this year's new manager is uh, Molitor, Paul Molitor. He has outlawed iPads and smartphones from the clubhouse starting an hour before game time. Oh, I would die. I couldn't handle it. I don't think that's a bad idea. Now, I don't either, but I couldn't handle it. 
I gotta have my phone attached to me. Oh at all God, times. you're one of them. You're 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 I, you're a teenage girl. I, listen, it's in more ways than I really don't even know what that means. Um, uh, but anyway, the other, the, other yeah. thing, the other thing that I that I don't agree though about what the local media here has done with Latos. They said he was getting rid of him was addition by subtraction, and I think that's crap. I do too. If you think this team, this pitching staff is better off without Matt Latos than they would be with him, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I agree, and, I, and that's that's again. And what I tweeted out right after the next day after all this, when all the we started seeing the quotes from the Reds players, was uh, you know everybody circling the wagon, yeah. and that's uh, I don't know that the media should necessarily be uh, part of the party. Yeah, and, and, and I tell you what, the one that the one that kind of jumped out at me was Marlon Burke. Yeah, yeah, and he said, "You aren't here anymore. Shut the hell up." Basically, you know, and, and, and I agree with him, and he's right about that. I don't, you know, yeah, I don't have any issue with that. Um, you, you think Matt's gonna? You think if Matt's taking on a homer later this summer that uh, Matt comes up to bat and he might get his cap spun? You, hey, you could see Homer doing that. <laughs> I mean, really, Homer's. I don't think I'd want to be staring down the barrel of uh, Homer Bailey, whether it's with a or, or a gun or, or, or bow and arrow. Mister Chapman, you know. Oh God! Because Chapman was another one he took a shot at. Yeah, he did. He did, and, and really, in the, now, in the, in the, the, the odds of Latos coming up the bat against Chapman are probably pretty slim. <laughs> right, and if so, we're yeah, it's a two to one game. Uh, there, there were two separate criticisms that he made. It, well, three if you include the, the medical, but he took a, he took a jab at the the clubhouse stuff, and that's a, that's a question. I don't I don't know if that's real stuff. Cattle roping our clubhouse guys, you know, that sounds like something. Are you going to make that up? It sounds like Homer Bailey's in there goofing around. Now, maybe he was goofing around, and maybe it was a distraction to the guys that were trying to get ready. I don't know. That's something that Brian Price has to deal with. You know, has to guys on the computer buying stuff, hanging out in the clubhouse, um, sleeping until the seventh inning. Yeah, I mean, every bit of that could be true. I don't know. Uh, the guys in the clubhouse say it's not, but you know, they're not really. They have a vested interest. Yeah, they're not going to admit it, right? So all that may be true. And I don't expect anybody to come out on the current team and say, "Yeah, that's sort of the way we did. We got to quit doing that." You know, they're they're saying all the things I expect them to say. I don't like that Faye kind of tried to defend Homer on that point. It's really not his job to defend Homer. Report report the facts. And I like Faye. We like Faye. He's he's been with us on the podcast. John's a good guy. I've known John for thirty years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not not really criticizing him. Um, some of that stuff may be true, and I think that may be a valid criticism. And it, it may number one wake up. Uh, Reds management that there might be a problem. They may, you know, have a little bit uh, better check on that stuff this year. Number two may make the Reds players, uh, you know, realize, hey, wait a minute, we, we're professionals. Maybe you never know. May, may, may make them wake up a little bit. Number three, it does appear that it's gotten them to draw together as a team a little more. I don't know if that has any uh, uh, bears any weight on what yeah, this I mean, year. This kind of leads uh, into the leadership issue and. And there you go. That's that's the other criticism. If you uh, leadership, uh, he says we lost Bronson. We went uh, everything went to first roll and then Bronson. Yeah, lost rolling everything right after 2012. Uh, is there anything to that? I, I'm not a big leadership in baseball guy. I, I you know, I, I think you go out and you do your job. You know, and you play the game the way it's supposed to be played. But man, I never played at this level. Hell, I don't know. But I, I, to me, if if you're one of the elite people at doing something in the whole wide world, because the worst guy in Major League Baseball is still an elite player. 
And if you have to have somebody out there to show you what you ought to be doing, that's sad. It is sad. The money you're, the money you're making. And I didn't. Even, and I wasn't even bringing money into it. It's it's just if you're elite, you should be a professional. Be a, yeah, uh, you know. I, I don't know. I, I hope it's not true. But like I said, I'm not a big believer in leadership in the clubhouse and all that stuff. Well, me either. Never have been. But on the other hand, let's sort of play devil's advocate. You got to kind of wonder. I wouldn't. Want, I wouldn't want to think that we had a bunch of professionals who needed their handheld and needed to be told not to, you know, uh, needed to be told to get prepared for the game and, and things like that, to take the thing seriously. But on the other hand, sometimes I wonder, I'm, I'm, I'm the same as you, I've always been like, ah, oh, come on, you know, these guys, they're paid a lot of money, do, their, do your job. But on the other hand, you got a lot of guys who are um, overgrown high schoolers. And young. And young. I mean, we, I think we forget. I'm I'm older, you know, quite a bit older than you are, and I think we forget sometimes how young these guys are. You know, Jay Bruce is like my son's age. Right, I know. Um, and, and you know, I, I after he said this, your first instinct's like, come on, Lato, sour grapes. You know, you didn't want to get traded, or you're mad at somebody. Um, but you know, is there is there some possibility that, there, that there's something to it that these guys wouldn't be doing these shenanigans with Scott Rowland in there. He wouldn't permit it. And maybe that caused them to treat the game more professionally uh, in some way. I don't know that it's not. It sounds far-fetched because they're supposed to be professionals and they're the best in the world. They got they only got there because they're the best at what they do and they've treated the game. You, you know, you don't get there. You don't get to the major leagues on talent alone. Uh, and people want to believe that, but you don't, you get that, you know, you've got to work, you got to work hard. Well, and, 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 and Unless you're one of the elite players, you got to get there. I mean, there's breaks, there's things happening at the right time, and yeah. So, but then that you wonder if maybe that's there's some small margin there where a guy like Scott Rowland is in there and um, causing people to. Fo- I don't know. It, it's it sounds far fetched to me, but I don't want to discount it completely. I guess is what I'm saying. I agree. You know, like you said, I've never done anything at that level at an elite level. So I, you know, I don't know. It could be, we could be completely wrong on this leadership thing, and maybe it's a bigger part of the equation than we're willing to to give it. Uh, people that are a lot closer to the situation than we are seem to think it has some validity. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I I, I never know. I never know how much uh, credibility to give to that. You know, one thing that was interesting to me, obviously, the Reds players and management, uh, Walt Jockney and, and Brian Price, both had comments, but Reds players as well came out and, you know, I expected them to come out and defend their team. But what I thought was interesting was that they sort of, you could see uh, some jabs that maybe they didn't really care for Latos much, if you sort of read between the lines. Maybe I'm reading too much. No, I, I kind of got the same feeling, that he wasn't a real popular guy in the clubhouse. Right. You know, what did... Uh, uh, what did uh, Homer Bailey say, say? You know, if this was a court of law... The cross examination would go after the credibility of the witness. Yeah, you know, which I thought was a pretty good, uh, pretty good statement. Um, Homer needs to be a lawyer. Um, I don't. And then of course, I don't think. He, what's that? I don't think he's going to need the money when he gets done. Oh, you don't think he's going to have to work after he's I, retired? I don't think so. <laughs> Probably not. Um, 
Miserocco said, uh, Matt's no longer with the team, so at this point I'm happy with the guys we have in the room. You know, I'm focused on this year. So whatever he wants to say or th- thinks he has to say is fine. Um, and and that's, that was the tone of a lot of the comments I saw was just, you know, I'm pretty happy with the guys that are on the team now. Uh, you know, so forget forget Matt Latos. Which for a guy that's as, with as much talent as Matt Latos makes you wonder how well-liked he was and, and whether they're sort of happy he's gone and, and whether that played a part in them deciding to get rid of him. Um, if you're going to try to – I don't know if they're going to be able to sign Cueto, but if you're going to try to forget performance on the field, if you're going to try to sign one of those guys long-term, maybe take the guy that uh, is more mature. Um, I don't know. Well, and, and, and as, I, as I saw one, one of the reporters or one of the things that said, you know, you have to – when a guy's – what is he, 24, 25? 26. Uh, I want to say 25. Off the and league. he's on his third team in major in the major leagues. Might tell you something. <laughs> it just might. It just might tell you something. What does it tell you? It tells me a maturity issue, probably more. I mean, it's it's not a, it's not a talent issue, and it's and it's not a guts issue. I mean, he's a, he's a competitor. Uh, yeah, it's certainly it's certainly not a talent issue. But but uh, you know, as as we saw multiple times, you know, you, you you question Matt's maturity on the mound and off. Well, he was always a guy that something goes wrong in a game, he'd he'd, he'd sort of lose it a little bit. Yeah, you, you could know. you could see games where he where he absolutely came unglued. Yeah, he just turned twenty seven actually. Okay. Just turned so he's a little older than us, but still, I mean, that's that's still a young man. Uh, hey, he's a Virginia boy. Did you know that? No, he grew. I knew he grew up in my, in the Miami area, but I did not know he was a Virginia boy. Oh, see, now everything changes. Born in Alexandria, Virginia, um, man, a Virginia boy. I, he he probably is pretty bright and probably is uh, mature. Never mind. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I mean, I I don't remember it. I think uh, it might have been Jockety. Somebody was talking about Jockety or Price One was talking about how he tossed some shots at the Padres after he was traded away. I don't remember that, but maybe it's true. Um, and and maybe it's sour grapes from a guy. Listen, when I was 26 years old, uh, well, I probably would have been happy to get sent to Miami, but <laughs> to get to live in Miami. But, you know, you're, you you buy a house. Um, I think he's got a – am I wrong? He's got a child on the way, I think. You know, or, you expect to be in a place. You hope to sign a big deal to stay there. I can't say when I was 26 years old, if, uh, you know, something like that happened to me, I might not have shot off at the mouth to and been upset about it because you know, I really wanted something. Well, I, and it, it didn't happen. I would think any time that you're traded, the team that let you go, there's a bit of an ego blow that comes with that. It's got to hurt, especially for a kid like him. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and you, what you should do, you know, while you tell yourself is, you know, you want to think about the team that wanted you. Rather than the team that didn't watch anymore, but but that would that's easier said than done, I would think. Well, especially in a situation like with Latos, where you know he was traded for a guy that you know basically a rookie last year uh, and another minor leaguer, and you know if you're traded for the Mike Trout, well, you know you can walk around with a little bit of spring in your step. That's hey, that's what they thought that's what they thought I was worth. So I, if I were in his spot, I yeah I would probably be. Uh, Upset, they traded me for nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I've never heard of these guys. They were dumping me, right? You know, instead of instead of wanting to pay me when I felt like I'd made a a commitment to them, and I tried to rush myself back yeah. from injury to help that team because I was so committed to that team. You know, I mean, 
I don't know. I, I, I think some of his comments were misguided. I think they were he shouldn't have made them uh, as a professional. But on the other hand, I can I can kind of understand. Crash Davis wouldn't have said them. Crash Davis would not have said them. But again, Crash Davis was 26. He still had 10 years ahead of him in the minor league. That's right. So, yeah, I I don't know. I think I think look we at, spent way too much time talking about Matt, what Matt Latos had to say. I agree. I agree. Moving on. But, <laughs> let, all right, let's move on. Boy, how come everything we start to talk about after just a little while, we just decide, man. Because we don't want people turning their, their radios off. There you go. <laughs> um, how about we talk about, uh, I, I know, here's my, here's my suggestion. Let's talk about shortstop. You okay with that? I'm absolutely okay with that. And the only reason, we talked about this before we started recording, but the only reason that uh, we want to talk about the shortstop position is because we finally learned how to pronounce our new uh, our new shortstop that just the Reds acquired in the Alfredo Simon trade? We finally learned how to pronounce his. Oh, name. he's not our new shortstop, Zach. Well, <laughs> starting shortstop of the Cincinnati Reds that has been decided before one game has been played in the preseason because right. he had such a wonderful season last year that he held that he could you know could not be jarred out of that position at shortstop. He's he's the best. So so uh, so pronounce this young man's name. Thank you. Thank you. Here we go. You ready? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's exciting. This is probably the most exciting moment in 127 episodes of Red Leg Nation Radio. Eugenio Suarez. Not bad, huh? Not bad. You did good. And, and, even, and it's, even with this... Go ahead. As I said, you know, when we were talking about this earlier, to me that sounds like what the, uh, the, the dwarves sang going to and from the mine in, in Snow White. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but I, I agree 100%. Um, and let me tell you, the second corollary there is I would give anything to hear Eugenio Suarez listen to me pronounce his name with this ridiculous accent that I have. You know what I would but like he, to have heard? I'd have liked to heard Joe Nuxall trying to say that man's name. <laughs> oh, that would have been classic. <laughs> that would have been classic. Um, back to the story, which is that Brian Price announced this week that uh, move along, nothing to see here. Zach Cozart's our starting shortstop. And then said that we want Suarez to play every day, which makes it sound like he's triple-A bound. And it sounds like you don't entirely agree with that decision. I, I don't think you make that decision at this point in the, in the, in the, pre, you know, in the exhibition season. I mean, you haven't even played – hasn't been a pitch thrown. The kid had played much better last year than, than Zach Cozart did. I, I, yeah, I really don't understand – that's the part of it that surprises me. I, it, I would not have been surprised if we got to opening day and the Reds decided to stick with Zach Cozart as their starting shortstop no. uh, to start the season. But what does competition hurt? Exactly. Cozart is an elite defensive shortstop, one of the best in the majors. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand what you gain, maybe making him feel a little bit better because his feelings got hurt because they traded for a shortstop. Give me a break. Again, these are professionals. And... I will concede that Cozart is probably better defensively than Suarez, than Eugenio Suarez. But on the other hand, you know, Brian, I'm telling you, man, I love it. Um, but, you know, Brian Price himself said, we look at uh, Suarez, at, at Eugenio Suarez, as an outstanding defensive player. Um, and, and, and he does get good uh, ratings defensively. Suarez is good defensively. Not as good as Cozart probably at this point. I don't think anyone believes that. But it's not like Suarez is going to be, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of a Daryl Chaney. 
There you go. Woody Daryl Cheney. Woody. Excellent. Daryl Cheney. Uh, right. Um, but, you know, you, you look at the, just their bats. And, you know, Suarez did not have a great year last year, but he absolutely wore Cozart out when it, come to, when it comes to uh, numbers. And then Suarez, of course, 23 years old. Cozart, 29. So, I, 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 again, if they got to opening day and they decided Cozart, because his defense is, is good enough to sort and of then, make up for a lack of offense. And then send Suarez to AAA because they want him to play every day. Yeah, give him, you know. As a matter of fact, I don't know that I would necessarily disagree with the decision to start Cozart for half a year. And then if it looks like Suarez is hitting well in AAA, then uh, bring him up. You know, I would not have, uh, I would not have criticized the Reds one bit. Uh, you know, of course, when Suarez was in AA, the last time he spent any time in uh, the minor leagues, he hit um, 288 batting average, 360 on-base percentage, 510 slugging percentage with eight homers uh, before the Tigers called him up. And he didn't hit that well. In 54 games. In 54 games, which, you know, again, small sample size, but it's something. Um, and they called him up to the majors, and he was not great. But, again, he was 22 years old. <laughs> you know, a 22-year-old major league shortstop who can handle the position defensively and has that record in the minor leagues of being able to hit a little bit and still had a 316 on base percentage in the majors. That was higher uh, than our than our leadoff hitter. Really? I mean, you know, Zach Cozarts was 268 last year. 316 on base percentage in the major leagues these days, given the way that uh, the numbers have dropped, is really not that bad um, for a 22-year-old. So, you know, your point is, why make that decision now? And, and what's the answer to that? Why? I, I don't know. The only the only thing I've got is, is what you said. They wanted to, you know, they were holding his hand. and All right, Zach, it's okay. You're going to be our guy. Again, these are professionals. <laughs> do, do, do we need to do that? I don't think so, but... And, and, and let's not hammer Cozart too much. You may want to hammer Cozart. I, I, think... no, I like Zach Cozart. But, again, when you've struggled for, what, two-plus years, as he has, mm-hmm. why should you have a, a, an assigned seat before the right. exhibition season even starts? And we're talking about a guy that's going to turn 30. This year, yeah, he's not going to get any better. Now, I'm not going to say he's not going to be better than last year. Good God, I hope so. <laughs> Please, but you know, to, to expect you know market improvement out of Zach Cozart offensively, I think you're you know you're whistling in the wind. Yeah, I agree, and and this is coming from a guy who I like Zach Cozart more than most Reds fans. I I wasted twenty or not not quite twenty five hundred two thousand words maybe writing about Zach Cozart last year uh, in a piece I wrote for uh, Cincinnati Magazine, just trying to defend the guy because he's so good defensively. He really is. There, there aren't one or two shortstops better than him defensively, and I'm not sure that Reds fans understand that. And by some metrics that I've seen, he's the best shortstop defensively in baseball. And he doesn't make those crazy outstanding plays like we got accustomed to seeing Brandon Phillips make because his range is so insane. He gets to so many balls. He's got a good arm. I mean, he is. I mean, he is a, a, an outstanding defensive shortstop. Yeah. Probably uh, the best, certainly since uh, that the Reds have had since Larkin, yeah. and maybe even better than Larkin defensively. Let's be honest. Um, I don't know if I want to say that, but yeah, I think uh, that's I, at least as good. I would say. Yeah. yeah the thing. Just, the thing is, he's so steady. He, he doesn't make very many incredible plays, 
but he doesn't boot any that you get that you think he should have caught either. No, he, he always makes good throws, and also he gets to so many balls where he doesn't have to dive that you think, well, he's not making, he's not diving a lot, you know, he's not making a lot of crazy plays, but but he's still making more plays than, than almost any shortstop by being able to play just a sort of solid fundamental game. He's it, it, all the metrics love him defensively, and and just from watching the eye test, I agree. Uh, but you know, you hit, you got a sixty-one OPS plus. I know offense is down in the majors. But not but that much. That ain't going to cut it. I mean, even the best defensive shortstops aren't going to be able to hang around that long. And it's it's crazy because, you know, a couple years ago, he wasn't great. He had 15 home runs in 2012. Yeah, his numbers are not going in the right direction. They're, they're really trending downward at a time when he should have, you know, his age 26, 27, 28 years, when they should have been at least staying steady. And I don't know what explains that. But, uh, I read an article think, this week. They're saying it's his hand position. Well, <laughs> do the do the Reds employ anybody that uh, can look at video that can work with him? Apparently or, not. You know, so uh, they need Scott Rowland back. That's what, that would that would solve all the problems. Because he started declining as soon as Scott Rowland left. You got to admit that's uh, correlation does not equal causation. Um, so anyway, I, I think Suarez is your shortstop of the future in Cincinnati. I'm comfortable with that. I I don't have any problem with him not being the opening day starter uh, over Cozart, but it just is sort of strange. I, I the don't situation really is being handled strangely, and that's probably the best way of putting it. Very very odd uh, that you would just go ahead and tell a guy who hit two twenty one uh, last year that you're that you're the man. You're our guy. 568 OPS. You're our guy. The other thing that I think is weird is that your manager is basically saying to the young guy, see you later. You can't even play your way into this position. <laughs> well, you can't even. He makes it sound like you can't even play your way onto the team. Right. And uh, did you see the uh, – I'll see if I can find them. Did you see Suarez's uh, comments? Yeah, he was, he, he, was, he was a pro. He was he, he, was much, he took the Crash Davis cliche festival. Much more impressive than, than Matt Latos's performance in front of the microphone. Uh, yeah, I want to do whatever they need me to do, blah, 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 help the team. I want to help the team. I'm going to do my best. At, you know, it's, it's the Crash Davis cliche festival. <laughs> right. And he said what you said that Latos should have said, which was the first time I heard about the trade, my mind said, wow, because they wanted me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so, you know, and he said, I hear there are all these great teammates, and everybody says, hi, how are you doing to me? It's, I feel like it's my new family. And so he said all the right things, and I'm going to work hard, and um, and I hope all that's true. If he has to go to the minors, you know, okay. I, I don't have any problem with him going to the minors. That's not the issue. Louisville's, the issue like, Louisville's a nice place to play. Louisville is. Good town. Uh, I don't like their basketball team. I hope their basketball team loses a game this week um, to the University of Virginia Cavaliers. We're not going in uh Come on. That's okay. I saw, I saw real quick, I mean, we're, we're not going to go do this this week. Yes, we are, please. But I saw, I saw a, an article today somewhere online that said, why don't we just go ahead and get to the UK Duke final? Oh. <laughs> I knew that. Bill, just, why would you say that to me? I'm just telling you. That's what I read. I, I didn't even say I agreed. Even right, let me say Duke this. beat Virginia? All right. Um, yes. Okay. But let's say this, Virginia wins tonight. They clinch their second consecutive Atlantic Coast Conference championship. They will finish at least two games ahead of Duke in the conference. Okay. 
They've lost one game all year. They are the second best team in the country. I, I'm not even willing. I, I'm a homer. I'm biased. I'm just still. I'm not willing to claim they're better than Kentucky. But um, anyway, <laughs> oh, come on, we're going back to base. Oh, okay, all right. Eugenio Suarez. There you go. <laughs> um, how about how about um, Brian Price's comment that players need to accept their spot in the lineup? It was it was interesting, wasn't it? I, I I tend to believe that that was aimed at one person and one person alone. And we haven't talked about this off air or anything. No, but that's exactly what I was going to say. And I'm interested to see if the guy you say is the same as the guy that first came to my mind. Well, he's the last guy on the field every game coming out of the dugout. Yeah, we're on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> And then, you know, he got a lot of kudos from, from I think it was Votto, about leadership and those kind of things when we when all this stuff was going on. And we're talking about Brandon Phillips, in case anybody isn't following closely. Right. So I, I just thought it was interesting that he felt the need to, to, to put that out there. It gives me hope that Brandon Phillips might be hitting seven. I agree. I don't, yeah, that, I, I don't believe that'll happen, but I hope so. Well, that, that when he, he made that, those comments... You know, which were basically, and I'll, let me, I've got the quote right here. We should have a dynamic offensive player hitting seventh. At this point in time, if we have concerns over who he's hitting seventh or if they're going to have some hurt feelings, then we really don't have the pieces here that we want. We need guys to accept their roles and to buy into it to give, our, the best chance, give us the best chance to win. And I can't think of anyone, and when, it, when I read that, I thought, who's the guy that would have hurt feelings over hitting seventh? Um, I guess maybe you could think maybe Jay Bruce. Yeah, somebody maybe. somebody might think Jay Bruce might, and maybe he would. I don't know, but maybe maybe. But, that, but the other guy but that's not the first person that comes to most people's minds. No, it's the guy that's been hitting second and fourth for his whole career with the Reds. Yeah. Um, and and frankly, Brandon Phillips should be hitting seventh on this team. I mean, I I think it that should have been in the past. Well, maybe not he seventh, should. but sixth. Sixth, I would have had him sixth at least the last two or three years, but you know, <sighs> it gives you a little bit of hope. It does, and maybe we're searching for reasons to hope. But yeah, yeah, and, and I think listen, you put Brandon Phillips at seventh, and I've actually I'm not going to complain about Brandon Phillips. No, not with the defense he plays. Absolutely, he, not. he he's he's still a defensive, uh, you know, uh, uh, an. Uh, a positive contributor on the defensive side. Very, very good defensive player. I mean, he's, he does a lot of things that make me crazy defensively, but he's yeah. he's great more often than he's not. And he's not as great as he was at one time, but I, I have no problem with Brandon Phillips defensively at second base. Um, and if he's hitting seventh, you know, he's probably going to hit enough to justify being the number seven hitter, and he'll have a little bit of pop. In his bag, yeah, and there'll be and there'll be games he's in the five or six. You know, when they're resting guys, there'll be games he's going to the five or six hole. And I understand, and I don't have a problem with that either. But if when they've got their normal eight out there, he's hitting in the seven hole, I'm I'm happy as a pig in poop. And it, oh my gosh, <laughs> really? That's a Virginia. Uh, that's a Virginia thing. <laughs> that really sounded like something that I should have been saying. <laughs> <laughs> You're taking my lines here, Bill. Uh, and the way his numbers are trending offensively, and he's going to be 34 this year, uh, you know, 
he's a, he's a number seven hitter. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I, I was the same as you. I was hopeful that that's a sort of a, a sign that he's thinking we're going to push uh, we're going to push him down. And, and another thing he said was these guys are sensitive, Brian Price. And who else is sensitive? Yeah, that we know of. They may all be, and they just may not run to the press and, and talk about it, or run to Twitter and talk about it. Um, but Phillips is a guy. But if he's hitting seventh, like I said, I'll be I'll be happy with him. Cozart eighth, and then you know you've got six, two, three, four, five, and six, five guys there for some second through. Six in the order, you can mix them up a bunch of different ways, but uh, you know the the ceiling on some of those guys pretty high if they all stay healthy, as we've talked about. Yep. Uh, we, t- we I think we talked about last time we we uh, had a podcast last week. I think we discussed what what my optimal lineup would be, uh, given that you're going to have Hamilton first and Cozart eighth. I got Frazier two, Votto three. I've got um, Mesoraco four, Bruce five, Bird six, and that's really not a bad middle of the order. No, it's not. Or, or am I wrong? No, I agree with you. And, and, so, and to move, since we're talking about the lineup, let's talk. I, there was some interesting stuff on Billy Hamilton this week. Mm-hmm. A little article on you know, covering again how he'd been working with the Shields all all winter and, and was working with him again this spring, and. And they were you know, talking about on base percentage and, and not getting thrown out stealing as much, which are which are two things. And, and they said that you know they they were talking about the Shields' career numbers, and he was a career two sixty eight hitter and a on base percentage of three fifty two. Yep. Billy Hamilton with a three fifty two on base percentage is an MVP candidate. Absolutely. <laughs> I started to say I started to say all star, but then I caught myself and thought you're absolutely right, <laughs> MVP candidate. I mean he. Uh, yeah. If we could get him to three thirty, oh gosh, he would be Please. he would be a force. Yeah. So let's yeah. Uh, let's hope that the Linos, you know, working with him on the strike zone and getting that bunt down a little bit, and and you know, well, the Shields was a guy. He was not a great major leaguer, but he was a guy who sort of carved out a career for himself by bunting. By well, he he took his tools. What he could do well and maximize him, like we were talking about Votto. I remember him being a real good defensive player, too. So was Billy Hamilton. Yep. Good defensively. The Shields, what I remember is, and and what I've seen him talk about a lot, which is, matter of fact, I just found the quote uh, from the Shields. Um, The main thing from the left side is to keep the ball out of the air so much. And that's exactly what I remember from the Shields. Slap that ball on the ground. And get on base because you can make things happen once you get on base. And I think Billy Hamilton hit a few home runs last year, more than we all expected, and he enjoyed that. That's fun for the little guy to hit home runs. It, I'm sure it's fun. It reminds you of what's his name in Major League, Willie Mays Hayes in the second Major League movie, you know, when he decided exactly. to become a slugger. Exactly. <laughs> and so uh, if the Shields can get him, and, and again, We've said this, I think, about Hamilton before, is that all indications are that Hamilton takes this seriously, he works hard, and uh, if he has as much respect for the Shields as he says he has and, and really tries to work on some of those things, there's no reason he can't be a positive contributor. Uh, because if he can get his on-base percentage north of three, you know, 330, uh, with the way he plays center field, he, and he's still got room to grow as a center fielder defensively. He's only played really one and a half full years as a center fielder. Sky's the limit for that guy, and and he could be turning. He's in a, he, he three thirty on base percentage. That guy is an all star. Yep. 
three fifty on percentage. He's an, he's, an he's, an, yeah, he, he's he's a he's a force. Absolutely, yeah. and uh, I'm looking at the Shields. He only had three seasons where his on base percentage, or two seasons where his on base percentage was under three hundred. And it wasn't because he could hit. No, the, no. It's yeah, batting he, average, like I said, two sixty eight. Yeah, and, yeah. He, and he didn't hit the ball hard either because his, his slugging was only three seventy seven. Most he ever hit were eleven home runs in a season. Right. So you know, I, I, it, it makes me think that uh, when the Reds decided to make a commitment to the Shields, who they named this year the manager at AAA Louisville, you know, he's been in the organization. Makes me think that that, was, that may end up being one of the best uh, man, management decisions, front office decisions that they've made. If he if he can get Billy Hamilton to buy into that. Well, in in, in, in one of the articles I read, they said he's he's been with with Hamilton at every level on the way up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they they do have a relationship. Apparently, they are close from what you read. And, and if he can get him to buy into to what worked for the Shields. He could, the sky's the limit for Billy Hamilton. It really is, as athletic as he is. And, and, and Hamilton said, I can always go to him, be straightforward with him. He's helped me out for a long time. Again, you don't know if that's from the cliche school. But if he really respects uh, DeShields and tries to learn what DeShields – if DeShields is teaching him what made DeShields a successful major exactly. league player, man, because cause Hamilton is a, a – a physical specimen like we've not seen. Yeah, maybe ever. Talent-wise, uh, he's heads and shoulders above wherever you know Delano De Shields ever was. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I guess if if I had to ask, if, if you ask me, what are the things that I'm most excited about this year? I, that's probably number one on my list to see how Billy Hamilton has progressed after a full season in the major leagues and see if he makes the adjustments because clearly the pitchers made the adjustments in the second half against him. Um, and, and some of that may have been just wearing down. Sure, yeah. yeah. He, has, he has already disappointed my wife. <laughs> already? Already. Because she fully expected Billy to get his teeth fixed over the winter. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, Linda, please. So. <laughs> um, well, okay. He's making... Uh, He's making more money than than you or I, so he probably could have afforded to do that. He's making more money than me, but I don't know what you know. I work for the government. He's making more money I than I am too. State, so. <laughs> well, I do too. So, um, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's uh, probably got <laughs> enough money to get that fixed. But I, I think, but hey, and, and no no offense to Billy, I just I don't know why I said that. But nah, just, we're goofing around. We love Billy Hamilton. Really, I, I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of Billy Hamilton. He he disappointed think, a little bit. I think he's one of the, the the intriguing stories. Even if this team tanks, and God, please don't let that happen because it'll be a long summer. But even if this team doesn't play well, seeing how Billy Hamilton, if he continues to grow as a player, will be one of the things that'll be most interesting to watch about this team this year. Absolutely, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, and I was not always a fan of Billy Hamilton. You can go back and listen to these podcasts four years ago and hear me saying I don't believe in this guy. He's all, he's just legs. But after he's he's turned me into a fan, and so I'm really excited. I'm like you. I'm excited. I'm still not. I, I'm still not completely sold. Well, I'm not either, but I'm a fan of the guy. Absolutely, and 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 you know, if you're if you're up here working and trying hard, you get the benefit of the doubt. You know, the fans the fans will 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 warm to you. Absolutely. And that's something I said in one of my posts that I wrote at Red Leg Nation this week. Well, the post, the only post I wrote at Red Leg Nation this week. 
was about some of the guys over the last 10 years that have not been great. But, you know, I'll cheer for all these guys if they're busting their butt to try to do the best they can for the Reds. They can't help it if they're not great. Um, but And I do feel like Billy Hamlin's working, and so I look forward to seeing how much he progresses. Uh, can we mention one quick thing before we go? Just one. All right, just one. I uh, I intended actually to make this the centerpiece of this uh, podcast, and, and we got to talk about the Reds, and I completely uh, forgot. Uh, this past week, we celebrated 10 years since the first post at redlegnation.com. Uh, d- does that blow your mind as much as it does mine? Does it make you feel as old as it does me? Well, and you and in your post on, on, on a thing, you talked about that this thing kind of evolved out of the old Cincinnati Reds listserv list that I started. Yes, and that's over 25 years old now. Gosh, that, how's that possible, Bill? <laughs> we can't be this old. We cannot. I remember, and I talked about, like you said, some. I hope you'll go to redlegnation.com uh, and, and read the post that I wrote about our 10th anniversary because Bill and I and, and Chris Garber were really the sort of uh, guys that came over originally. And then there were a few other guys, Tom uh, and uh, Steve Price was one. Matt Malott came with us early, yeah. uh, early on. And, um, some guys before that came he over. started having all those kids and he didn't have time anymore. Right, before he had 14 kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but but, but I, I really feel like sort of me and you and Chris have sort of tossed ideas around from the very beginning and and and, and this uh, getting Red Lake Nation going. But it really did grow out of that Reds listserv list. And and I'll never forget. I was a gosh, I don't know how old I was. I guess it was ninety three when I first ninety two or ninety three when I first found the list. When did when did you start? When did you start that list? I'd have to go back and look at my calendar, but I, I'm pretty sure we went. I, Went over twenty. Did we go over twenty or twenty-five? I can't remember now. I'd have to go back and look at my calendar. But it's been a long time. I remember when I found it. It was my. It must have been ninety-three um, when I found it. And for the, for you kids out there who may not know what a listserv is, this was back in the day when. And I, I alluded to it in my post when this was like the most amazing thing ever. You could get emails. You know, it was an email list where people make a post to, and we get sent to everybody's email that was on the list. And at the time, that was the height of technology. Um, but for me, a, a, a kid who grew up in a sort of a rural area, and you know, some Reds fans here, but never anybody that was obsessed with the Reds like I was. That thing was it. In, in a lot of ways, changed my life, Bill. Um, because I was able to talk to a bunch of guys. It changed the way I remember early on on that list having a long argument with people about why wins was the best way, pitcher wins was the best way to evaluate pitchers. And I got educated on why that wasn't the case. And, um, and of course, later on, it led to us beginning uh, Red Leg Nation. But uh, that was just, I can't give you enough credit for that thing that you ran for all those years. And, uh, and so many, so many bright people. Uh, that I came into contact with, including a bunch, including really the heart of what has been Red, Red Lake Nation over the last ten years. Nineteen ninety four is when it started. Oh, you started? Oh, really? I thought it was ninety three. So I must have come in really early. Then. So it, it was. It was nineteen ninety four. I thought you'd gotten going before I even came came along. So you, got, I must have been there right, pretty close. So to you the must have been one of the early, early, early ones. Because I remember specifically sitting there um, my first year at uh, at University of Virginia. And I'm supposed to be studying, and instead I'm talking about the Reds over email um, and listening to. Uh, I remember listening to Tom Browning, 
break his arm that when he's pitching, he broke his arm. It's so uh, uh, I'm old, but but and, and you and in your post you, you made it. I think you made it. Uh, the, the the thing that kind of I thought was kind of cool is in addition to the the people that we've met that write and that we've had when we've had some gatherings and that kind of thing. That's always been kind of cool. But we've also met some neat people. We've got to spend some time with some neat people. I, I, I the one I talk about to people all the time is when you and I did an interview for Red Leg Nation with with Greg Greg Rhodes. Greg Greg Rhodes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I wanted to make sure to mention that. And, that was a lot of fun. And that was that was a phenomenal interview. When, uh, when I got to spend some time with Jim Maloney and mm. with Freddie Norman. Those were my two favorite interviews that I've done. Chris Welsh has been so kind to us over the years. Incredible. He's never told us no. In fact, and I don't know if I've ever told this story, I went out and met Chris one night to do an interview with him, and the recorder malfunctioned about halfway through. And he called me a couple of days. I, I emailed him about it, He and we set up, and he redid the second half of the interview again a couple of days later. I remember that. I mean, that's just... Kind and he above mentioned. Yeah. I mean, it's just I mean, he didn't have to do that. No, he, he never. He doesn't have to give us any of his time. Much right. less, you know, going above and beyond like that. And so many people have Tucker Barnhart, uh, Tom Mezzarocco, Devin Mezzarocco, uh, Tom Browning, whom I, Matt Clinker, my buddy, our friend Matt Clinker. God bless him. Absolutely, we we love Matt. Yes, man. we do. And, and I was just texting with Matt the other day, as a matter of fact. Um. You know, all these people that have been so kind to us over the years and given us their time and, and, and spent a little time telling us about what it's like to be a Major League Baseball player or a Minor League Baseball player and and giving us a little of their insight. and it, They always went above and beyond and, and have never been anything but kind. And, and, and John Fay and, and uh, C. Trent Rosecrans and Joel Luckup. Uh, Mark Sheldon. Mark Sheldon. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know who all I'm forgetting here, but... Joe Puznanski, I love. He's my favorite sports writer, and he came on to talk. Yeah, to us, you know. I mean, the, the you know who we haven't gotten that I'd like to get is John Arardi. Let's get John on here. I, I'd love to get I'm, John on here. Let, let me talk to Joel. Joel will get John on here for us because I I don't think there's a better writer, and he's not working for the Enquirer anymore. But that, that's yeah. the Enquirer's loss because there was not a better sports writer down there than 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 John Arardi. The best by far. Yeah. Uh, and that's not a criticism of anybody no, else. No, no, no. I just, I'm just a huge fan of John Arardi's. But when you think about it, Bill, it, does it sort of blow your mind a little bit, like it does mine, that we started out back in the mid '90s, just because we like to talk about the Reds on email, and we've gotten an opportunity to meet some of these guys, and uh, you know, um, sort of hang out, uh, you know, with some of these guys and, and talk to them, and, and we've got a chance to really talk about the Reds. We're still talking about the Reds. Uh, yeah, it's a fun thing. Uh, I just can't believe what it's become. Not that we're anything more than, like I said in, the, in that post I wrote, more than we're still a dumb little fan blog. You know, we're just guys who love the Reds. It's not anything important, but still, it's it's been a fun ride, hasn't it? Oh, it has. You know, it's it, it absolutely has. It, it's you know, I'm I'm fifty. How old am I? Fifty five years old. I'll be or my fifty six. Fifty six years old. Uh, and and I'm still a kid at heart. I mean, you know, I I'd still pay anything. To put on a red uniform and shag fly balls during ball, during batting practice, that would be that would be the greatest thing I've ever done in my life, other than having a child. You know, you know. Yeah. And and speak, I think that's some uh, something the major league teams miss out on. I, I really think that would be a great public relations thing. Every game, every home game, 
if you let one or two people suit up and just shag fly balls. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. I'll sign. I'll sign up for that. Can you imagine how many how many entrants they'd get that would want to do that? Well, now that you now that you mentioned it on this uh, scintillating podcast, everybody's going to know about that idea, and, and probably Major League Baseball will take advantage of it. Well, and, and and you know that the Reds, you know their their PR people pay such good attention and give us so much help. Oh, they'll be downloading this podcast immediately. <laughs> you, you you know they they listen to everything we say. Uh, but you know, yeah, you're right. They should do something like that. But th- th- this is, I guess, uh, the point I wanted to make with that post that I wrote was, it's really been a fun ride. Yeah, it absolutely has. I, and, and I probably would, I, I probably never would have gotten the opportunity. You know, at one point, it's been several years ago, but only because of Red Leg Nation, I got the opportunity to, you know, uh, I was on the field pregame, uh, you know, got to because you were complaining. Well, because I, you remember, you remember that. Yes, I, I was do. complaining about. But but what I remember uh, is that the Reds gave me – I got an opportunity to go up to the booth, and Joe Nuxall said hi, shook my hand. And I'm not a guy I – don't, I don't care about autographs. I'm not sort of a starstruck guy. But, man, uh, when I think – just because, I, just cause, you know, we, we, what we've done here, just writing about the Reds, just a dumb little website, I got an opportunity to shake Joe's hand, say hi to him, talk to him for a moment. Could not have been nicer. Um, you know – I'm still I'm still a fan. I'm still the same guy I was back in '94, whenever it was. Um, but uh, we've got we've got an opportunity to do some cool things as fans, and I'm I'm really appreciative of the work that you and everybody else has done to help make this site and all the people that have read the site over the years. Uh, it's been a fun decade. I can't believe it's been a decade, but it's been a fun decade. Well, and, and, and like, you know, you get all the credit because you're the one that did all the heavy lifting. But I, I will say this: when you're a baseball fan. You never grow up. You're always a kid at heart. And, you know, I like, you, like we've been saying, you know, we've been, just because of this dumb little blog that we've, that we've been a part of, we've been able to do and meet so many amazing people. But I, what I always try to remember, whether I'm watching the Reds here at the house or whether I'm down at the ball yard, is, is it's a game the kids play every day. And don't ever forget that you're a kid when you're watching, you know, because you're still a kid if you're a baseball fan. Absolutely, and and that's that's probably the biggest thing that's changed in me over the course of this ten years, is that I appreciate the fact that uh, this is supposed to be a, a fun thing for us. You know, I don't get as upset as I used to. So life's too short, my friend. It is, and you know, for better or for worse, you, I think you'll agree with this. We love this dumb old team, and we're going to stick with them uh, for better or for worse, as I said. Yep. All right, Bill, anything else we've uh, gone on longer? As we always do, we've gone on longer than we expected to. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? No, time to go. Time to go. Well, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll mention each of you. Go to redlegnation.com uh, every day for, uh, for Red's Talk. Uh, I hope you'll go and check out the post that I wrote, just because it sort of, it sort of meant a lot to me to thank you guys. Uh, and when I say you guys, I aim that at the people who've written for the site over the years, and, and guys like Bill Lack and Chris Garber and... Um, and even the more recent guys, Steve and Jason, and uh, the guys that have really put in so much to make the, the site what it is today. Um, you know, and also to the readers. Everybody keeps coming back every day, and I'm amazed that people have kept coming back year after year and, and, and commenting about the Reds. And uh, It's because we all share that, that, that one thing. For better or for worse, we love this dumb team. 
no matter how much they break our hearts. So go to redlegnation.com. You can follow Bill uh, on Twitter at, at BillRedLegN. You can follow me if you wish. I don't know why you would at uh, Dotson C, D-O-T-S-O-N-C. Obviously follow Red Leg Nation at Red Leg Nation uh, on Twitter. Um, Bill, as always, good talking to you, buddy. Always good. It's up to you, my friend. All right. For Bill Lack, this is Chad Dotson saying so long.